This is the Nutanix Community Podcast with Angelo Luciani, episode 35. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me on episode 35 on the Nutanix Community Podcast. We had an awesome time at .next in Las Vegas last month, and I thought it would be cool to share some of the keynote presentations in audio form. So over the next several weeks, I will be pulling together snippets from the keynotes and sharing the content here. This week, I'm going to highlight the CIO panel discussion, which was moderated by Alex Barenka from Bloomberg. The panel included CIOs from NASDAQ, Tractor Supply Company, Northern Trust, and Bottomline Technologies. The discussion centered on how they make IT strategic to the business. Let's join the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our CIO panel. Senior Vice President, Technology Infrastructure, Northern Trust, Vijay Luthrop. CIO of Bottomline Technologies, John Mason. Tractor Supply Company Vice President of Enterprise Architecture, Glenn Allison. CIO of NASDAQ, Brad Peterson. And moderating Deals Reporter, Bloomberg News, Alex Berinka. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I know it is early, and I did hear that the party was great last night, so glad to see an audience here um, to hear our wonderful uh, execs up here chat with us. So uh, earlier, Jeffrey from Microsoft said, you know, it used to be uh, a little bit hard to get technology rolling until you could slap a pager on someone's belt. That's when stuff started going. So I, I want to show of hands from the audience, how many of you are the ones who get that page or these days text or phone call when the you-know-what hits the fan? Yeah? Yeah? What about up here? I know these are the folks here who um, are kind of at the top here and, and maybe uh, uh, get a little yep. bit of uh, interruptions at dinner time. So, so down the line, I mean, Brad, do you still get these phone calls at dinner? Oh my gosh, something's gone wrong on the IT side. Has that changed from 18 months ago? What's your experience recently? So they're not phone calls. They're not phone calls. But what they are, are they? They are they are messages. Uh-huh. And and I think for the role in being running critical infrastructure for the United States capital markets, and then also being a supplier to um, most of the company countries um, exchanges around the world, we're the largest infrastructure provider. Absolutely have to be ready to jump in and and um, and and show support. So I think. It still very much is, is, is part of the role, but um, it's lessened over the last 18 months. And it got, yesterday, when we met face-to-face for the first time, we were talking about, obviously, you work for a retailer. Thanksgiving is a very busy time for you all. Right. I guess, is, how has that differed? Is the holiday season as nerve-wracking for you? Because I know uh, kind of the, uh, the volume coming in through your back-end systems must be higher. Right, absolutely. And... and uh, so tractor supply, we've got about 6.2 billion in sales, um, and on a growth path uh, this year, uh, we're continuing to open new stores. Right, right now, we've got over 1,500 stores throughout the U.S., and we're adding about 120 stores per year. 
that's roughly 150 million customers that are going to walk through our doors this year. And uh, during busy holiday periods, that could be the spring selling season or certainly uh, day after Thanksgiving, uh, the ability for the infrastructure to scale to support those higher transaction volumes is really important. Uh, and in particular, we do a lot of work uh, throughout the year just to make sure that the systems are always ready. Uh, I mean, like, how, how early do you start prepping for kind of the busy holiday season? January 1. <laughs> all year. <laughs> it's all year. I mean, it doesn't stop. And it's a, you know, we use a number of different tools to generate high load on the systems and periodically test to make sure that we're always ready. And, and being ready, you know, the role of CIO, the role of CTO, it seems like there is some convergence happening. And, and we had kind of been riffing on this idea of does CIO mean career is over? I mean, if you're just focusing on uh, running computers, John, is, is that the place to be right now? I guess, how do you think about this idea around? I, I think it's CIO. really simple. If you don't know what your business does, if you're not helping them drive revenue, if you're not connected to your customers and helping them be successful, you're not needed, right? The, cloud, the public cloud's here, we can run infrastructure anywhere, we can hire VPs to run infrastructure, we don't need a CIO to do that. So it's all about getting involved in the business and helping the business be successful, which starts with the customer. So does that mean helping drive revenue? That's not necessarily the thing that I, as a business reporter, think about. The CIO is not necessarily the role that I think about for that solution. I guess, at what point, did that become a reality in this world? And, and at what point did you see it in your experience in this role? I think most of us run services today. We're not running back office applications. We're actually part of the business. If I look at what I do, what my team does for bottom line technologies, we are delivering the service to the customers. And if we're not on, the customers are down and there is no business. And delivering these services, you know, you talk about the change from back end infrastructure to actually delivering services. Vijay, at Northern Trust, does that, did that mean kind of a, a rethinking of who is helping you, who are on the teams? How does that shake out in terms of, of the folks who work for you? Right, right. So, so teams, certainly important, but just, just back to your original question about CIO and his career over, uh, I think purely from an infrastructure perspective, I think career will certainly be over if uh, the leaders of infrastructure and operations don't uh, prepare their organizations for, the, for, for bringing the Amazon effect into their data centers. Um, and I'll clarify what that means in a second, but we're in the middle of tremendous change in the infrastructure space. Every single architecture uh, that's, that's been established over the past 10, 12, 15 years is under threat. Uh, it feels like the late 90s, early 90s, Novell Network transitioning into Windows, uh, Novell Network, quick show of hands, Novell Network. All right, so we got a few people. For the, for the rest of you know, the folks that are millennials and, and, and are kind of scratching their heads on Novell Network, um, I, I totally get it. Uh, but, but back to the Amazon effect in, in the data centers, um, I, I think being able, to, being able to reduce cost, do things cheaper, faster, more reliable, and being able to, you know, kind of getting into that habit of doing that consistently, like Mark was saying, there is no end to that. I think if you don't position yourself to be able to replicate that within your data centers, I think uh, career is definitely limiting, if not over. And when it comes to, you know, positioning yourself, um, how does that, has there been a repositioning of the people who work under you? Have you yep. had to rethink how your teams shake out? Absolutely. So we have essentially changed our buying habits, Northern Trust, 
100% of our private cloud is built on converged, hyper-converged uh, engineered systems. We have a, a single cloud platforms team, for example. Uh, we moved storage engineers into it. We moved network engineers into it. They support the whole stack, a uh, single vendor. Uh, Nutanix, obviously, is a, is, is a big part of that. And we have actually uh, driven tons of efficiencies, resource efficiencies, time-to-market efficiencies. So the skill set of tomorrow for infrastructure folks especially is really multi-skilled uh, and you're really looking for the stars in your organization that you could retrain somebody who's got strong Linux skills and retrain for network, for example. Uh, so we've done some of that and, and that's worked out really well for us. And we will get to talent, but first, I, I, help me understand the time horizon. When did you start changing these teams around and, and kind of reshaping been, what they It's like? been a, a painful Two years. Uh, I see a couple of my folks here. Why painful? <laughs> because change, uh, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way, and your engineers are used to doing things a certain way, and it, it, that's the most difficult part uh, of this cloud transformation is the people part. I think the technology, uh, you know, there's a few options out there, but, but uh, the people part is, is, so we've been doing it for about two, two and a half years. And so we talk about this fast change. We've talked about how you kind of integrated now into the performance of the business, maybe more so than before. Uh, Brad, when you are with your contemporaries in the C-suite, you, you know, your other executives, are you hearing different buzzwords? Are they asking for different things these days than you know, maybe uh, your typical C-suite would have asked years ago? I mean, you've been in the, this business a, a while now. Yep. Thanks for pointing that out. So, no. So, uh, so let me say a couple of things about the, the role. Um, and it very much um, was, was predicted that CIOs would go away, that that role might vanish, and it hasn't. So um, technology, as we, as we all know, all businesses now are more dependent on technology. What has happened, and it first happened in the, the Bay Area, was the CTO role was really the one that built the product. So if you're in financial services, it's a technology-enabled product, so you really are building the product. Um, so that acknowledgement, and in some of the firms, CIO is both the CTO, and in my case, it's the CTO role and the CIO role. So Barrett up there that was on the video is more doing a lot of the traditional CIO role. So once you, uh, you start to realize, and I love Mark Leslie's discussion about strategy and having strategy and thinking about where the business is going in the future, if there's an acknowledgement, and I think now most businesses have your peers understanding that you're building the product, you're part of the product, and that is really motivating to the technology organization. So when you cross that point where people acknowledge that the engineers and the folks um, are building the product, it changes your how you work together elbow to elbow. It talks, it's where you sit in the, in the strategic planning part of it. And there was something else, we had a private session with Mark Leslie um, yesterday, and he said the core enabling um, growth engine is the technology itself. So you need to, as the CTO or CIO, be looking at that core technology and have an opinion of where it's going. And that's the main role that I play today, is I'm the educator of my business peers to say, here's, timing is really important, because if we get the timing wrong, like the iPad was really just a tablet, and we saw tablets in 2000, 2001. HP got the timing wrong, um, but it ultimately became a transformative piece of technology. So I think that is really important, knowing what the technology is, communicating in a way that's 
kind of relevant for your business and the product, and then having an opinion on timing. That's that's where I'm seeing it change over the last couple of years. And, and, and for the rest of you, is so I would, go ahead. I'd add, I mean, there's a lot of buzzwords out there. Containerization and, you know, gaining greater agility. Uh, but and are one, these coming from your execs? Or are these the things that they are asking about? Well, what I was going to say is what's really important also is security. Um, the integrity of the systems, that they're secure, and there's... Um, having a great focus on that and making sure, and it's really everybody's responsibility making sure that the systems are secure. And I would say that, that that's one of the discussions that frequently comes up. And it, that became even more of a reality, I feel like in the past couple of years, you see your CEO's heads on the block if you're at a target and there's you know a customer information breach. How has that changed? Yeah, in particular, I mean, so Tractor Supply is the largest rural lifestyle retailer in the U.S. and you know, with our, an example would be like credit cards, right? And, you know, an EMV for retailers right now, EMV deployments is uh, critical. And customer data is very important, especially, you know, we've been in business for over 75 years. Customers count on us, and we can't break, break our promise uh, to them. And Vijay, I know you had a, a, an interesting sign outside of your door that we talked about. And it changed recently. Yep. Can you kind of explain that situation? Yeah, absolutely. So, so back to your buzzword question, and I'm going to link the two. Um, I could probably throw tons of buzzwords out there, but the one, you know, the most important uh, um, kind of feature or buzzword that we're, you know, my team is after is really reduction in time to market. I think that's the one ask mm-hmm. from the business, from our application development teams that we're constantly going after. Um, but to that, to that uh, question, I used to have a sign a few years ago uh, on my board outside my office that said, uh, stability over speed. And, and I felt really proud of it. And whenever anybody came to me, I used it as a group guiding principle. Let's be stable, let's be slow. And uh, I st- struck out the over speed and its stability and speed now. And the way you get the and speed part is, you know, getting standardized, stacked, convergence, automation, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's been a, a big change the last few years. And, and speaking of changes, you know, we, I spent the last week in Silicon Valley talking to a lot of startups. I always ask the question, what do you think it's going to be in five years, public, private, hybrid? It seems across the board, the smaller companies, a lot say all public cloud. But, you know, my past covering enterprise tech, there's lots of push of hybrid or private, especially for some of the financial services companies. John, what is your take on this? Where do you think things stand, and where does hyperconvergence kind of play into this conversation? Yeah, I think there's an absolute mix, right? If you look at us, we provide services to hundreds of banks, to lots of corporates. Um, Sensitive stuff. It is, it is. And what you see is them trusting a provider that specializes in that area. So we act as a cloud provider in a specialized area for specialized industry where we're very strong, where we bring value to that. Now, public cloud has a great role. You know, we all look at things like Microsoft for Office 365, for the innovation. You know, we can offload things that are non-critical to our business that don't add value to what we're doing but are needed. And I think that's the real value there. And then it becomes, you know, a cost-speed decision, what makes sense for us economically and what gives us the agility and speed to deliver what we need to for our, for our business. And we'll make decisions on that. You'll use tooling, like Nutanix or others, to, to accelerate what you do in-house, and you'll use public cloud where it makes sense. 
Brad, NASDAQ, you know, depending on the day, like 10 trillion in companies listed on, on your yep. marketplaces globally. Does that play into the conversation around this? Where, how do you all think about? So, so the business that where we're the provider of technology to other exchanges, Singapore, Hong Kong, a lot of the regions of the world run our software. I would say the U.S. is way ahead in cloud mm-hmm. and adoption of cloud. And so looking at a as a global deliverer of technology, I see that there is a huge wave that is going to come where the rest of the world starts to catch up. And you think that there is a tie to you feel it with your customers? For yeah, we see they're, they're really starting to perk up, whereas a couple years ago they just they were locked down, said regulators would never let them go to the cloud. We now see FINRA in the U.S. going um, all to the cloud. The new CAT platform, which is a consolidated audit trail, is going to be all cloud-based. So there's no longer this, well, regulators won't let us do it. And then it's a question of, of um, what should go there. And I think the first for financial services is going to be a little bit slower, but they will definitely, for innovation, put out um, your acceptance testing, your DR is going there. And then the big, you know, when we, when we talk about the future, um, machine learning and putting together the the data that you need to have that's yours as well as a partner's. Mm-hmm. You're not putting it, you can, you can kind of never get to the right solution if it's like, well, we'll put our data in your data center or you pull your data into my data center. You just kind of get to a stopping point. So the cloud allows you to have a neutral meeting zone. So I think a lot of the next-gen sharing of data and, and data and machine learning that requires massive amounts of data will happen in the public cloud. But I like the comments yesterday about we've been here before from Sadish, you know, he's going, hey, don't get fooled, it's not all going. And I think that is, um, that is where we will, we will absolutely want to have a partner like Nutanix who's thinking about, it's not their products today, but it's, it's changing the future. And don't believe everything we've got today is the end because we'll be here in a year and two years. And we'll be thinking about this question differently. So I would say it's 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 um, it's it's certainly going to be a global move towards more cloud. But the um, the the data center as we know it um, will be an, a critical part of our our infrastructure for a long time. And, and to your point, and Vijay's point to a certain extent, Mark Leslie had that great slide about operationally driven versus opportunity driven. Yep. And I think this kind of plays into, you know, a, a few of the the topics that we hear a lot in your world are innovation, operational efficiency, security, and how those all play together. And Glenn, you touched on it a little bit. I guess what what is your thinking around this uh, operationally driven which is, can kind of be short term versus opportunity driven which is, you know, taking a, a longer term well, so from my point of view, I think you can have the best of both worlds. Um, you know, with the enterprise cloud platform, we're gaining the agility, we're gaining the reliability, the performance, um, you know, which means less outages, uh, some of the strain on the, da- the team in terms of day-to-day operational issues, uh, which, you know, ultimately gives us more balance uh, for, for team members, which, which is important for our mission and, and values. And what do you mean by balance? You know, just good kind of work-life balance and, um, you know, reduction in some of the operational activities and and day-to-day heroics that go into maintaining the systems. You know, so we've seen benefits, you know, through migration of, you know, our workloads to the enterprise cloud platform. But, you know, in terms of cloud, uh, you know, I think 
there's a number of benefits that you can get for cloud as well. So like for retail, where we've got transaction volumes that are significantly higher at different parts of the year, we leverage the cloud to provision additional resources on demand, scale up through the busy periods, scale down when we don't need that capacity and you just pay for what you use. And John, you seem to be nodding at the idea of work-life balance. Yeah, I think, well, I think it all, all applies, right? And I think, to your point, you have to have both. You have to have uptime, you have to have security, and then you need that just to be in business. And then, and then you need the innovation to drive yourself forward, so balancing all that. In the meantime, keeping, keeping track of staff that are dealing with work-life balance, that are dealing with um, juggling priorities across multiple customers, that's, that's a lot of work, and it's important. Um, if we're successful in it, and quite frankly, we need to be to be relevant, then we help the business. And Brad, we had an interesting conversation earlier about kind of this dichotomy between short-termism and long-termism, which, you know, in my world, covering public market companies, comes up a lot on the CEO level and the high-end strategy level. How is it manifesting itself as CIO? So, so I think the, the obsessive focus on operational efficiency is short-termism. So I, I think that can, and you have to have a structural plan to to deliver the, the fundamental benefits of the lowering cost of compute and storage. So that's what you, you're, you're advantaged by being a function where legal and, <clears throat> excuse me, HR and finance don't have that lever. So we should be thinking and knowing and counting on that occurring, but I don't think that's the role. And oftentimes, if, if that's where you're at with your company, you're probably not going to be around very long. And I think what Mark Leslie said, that's, that's indicative or, or synonymous with, with almost activism. You're really just taking away the future of the company if you're, if you're giving in. Now, you have to deliver that. Every budget season, you get your CFOs doing their job by beating you up. But you have to have a long-term structural plan to deliver that, not taking it out of the height of, uh, of, the, of the current operation. So I would say that that is a, the, the innovation piece is, is really the, the job one. And if you're not doing that, then you, you kind of have to work your way up to it. So if your systems aren't available, you're not gonna be talking innovation. If you're not delivering cost savings, you're not gonna be talking innovation. So you have to walk up that stack, that hierarchy. That's why I like the hierarchy of needs um, to become self-actualized. That's, that's the ultimate goal. You need to know if you've got to feed the, you know, don't go after the tiger. The yes. tiger sandwich or the tiger burger. <laughs> so, yep. so, so in our last minute here, I want to kind of just run through um, and, and see what you all think will be the uh, topic du jour at the next dot next conference. BJ, do we want to start with you? Okay. What do you think is going to be on top so, of the line? So I'll answer in two parts. Uh, first part, uh, if there's any golf lovers out there, I think next year we'll be talking about how Northern Trust is now the sponsor of the FedEx Cup. Uh, <laughs> it's our first year Shameless next year. Plug. So, so I'm going to plug that in there. It's our first year. We're going to sponsor the FedEx Cup in the New York, New Jersey area. So I'm sure the golf lovers will be talking about that. But... On the technical front, I'll be, I think we'll be, the topic will be around uh, robotic automation, smart systems, more focused on data centers, because as folks adopt these architectures, uh, the possibility of a, a robotic machine handling some of the day-to-day -day operational tasks and alerts, uh, we're experimenting with some tools that, that do that, because we've done a great job with automating provisioning, so, you know, middleware and databases, 
And I think that's really the next level of efficiency. So robotic automation, smart systems that can take over data centers, or at least a portion of it, is, is my... And John, view. quickly, 20 seconds from each of you down the line, what do you think it'll be? You know, I think it's the next step in hyperconverge, right? If I can converge uh, compute and storage, why can't I converge network? And why can't I converge the security uh, tool set that I need to make that successful? Glenn? I think it's going to be partnerships. Uh, you know, Nutanix is almost maniacal about listening to customers, listening to feedback, and just continuously driving improvement uh, in the products. And, and I think partnerships are going to be very important uh, in this ecosystem. So I think we'll continue to see more there. And Brad? So I, so I would have to say uh, machine intelligence, deep learning, and then your businesses, if you have any data, are going to be asking, what platform do I use to deliver some new value um, that's latent in your business um, because you generate a lot of data? So I'll, I'll go with deep learning. Well, thank you to our panelists. Thank you all for joining us, and I do hope you enjoy the rest of your uh, time here at the conference in Vegas. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on the Nutanix community blog at next.nutanix.com. And as always, continue the conversation in our community forums. Also, join the broader IT community at one of our Nutanix user groups happening around the globe. This is a great opportunity to network, collaborate, and share. Finally, follow Nutanix on Twitter for the latest news and announcements. So with that, from the team here at Nutanix, have a great week. Thank you.